0: Hello, Break80 listeners, and welcome to another exciting interview. I am here with Pete Ludowski. Did I get that right? I want to make sure I did. You're so close. It's Ludkowski. Ludkowski, I missed the K. More (laughs) important, not that the name pronunciation is not important, but uh, Pete is the owner and founder of AmateurGolf.com, and as we follow so much of what's happening in our own lives, what's happening around the U.S. with uh, collegiate golf, um, the U.S. Am, the U.S. Open. Pete's website has been on the forefront of amateur golf since 2000, uh, where they're founded at Pebble Beach, and it follows amateur golf from major tournaments, including things like the Amateur Women's Masters, U.S. Am, qualifiers, large regional and local amateur tournaments, and college golf. The website is so comprehensive that it has articles and results from the Birchmont. And if you're listeners here in Minnesota, that is impressive because it is a small, long held tournament all the way up in Bemidji. And uh, Pete's website actually has information on the last five years, including articles. It's just amazing. It's amazing how much information this has on so many different locations around the US. Um, and Pete, I got I to just open it up broad. What what's your golf background? You know how did how did this this all start up Pebble Beach two thousand?
1: Yeah, so so like a lot of people, you know, played high school and college golf and have been a lifelong golfer, but never thought I would be a tour player. You know, never had aspirations or even thought that I could could really do anything professionally with the career other than maybe pondering a you know a career as a PGA club professional, which is a very very esteemed profession but I um, I played all my life and I was kind of the guy in the field you know player number 80 trying to make a cut trying to make match play in the Birchmon or it's equivalent right so that's me and uh, but somebody needs to keep track of all this stuff and I'm pretty good with technology and uh, I decided when the internet came out around 2000 or you know really the 90s I had pondered business ideas and uh, worked for some tech companies and and that's qualified me. If there's anything that can qualify you, that's what qualified me to start amateur golf.
0: So bring us back to that, that first year, right? That 2000s year. Um, I, there was a lot happening at Pebble beach in 2000, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, um, we kind of picked it strategically because I lived in San Francisco when I started this company and we decided in at the end of 99, I started building the website. And back then it was, yeah, just as complicated as it is today, but there weren't tools like WordPress and things where you could put up a site like Wix or something like that. You could get a website up tomorrow if you want to. But in that day, you had to think a little more about what you were doing, and so it took us a few months to strategize. And we decided, you know, our launch date is going to be at Pebble Beach in June, you know, Father's Day weekend, as it were, with a, a pretty famous champion. And we did it right there at at, uh, at Pebble, and we gave out um, two to three thousand hats with our logo on it. Like a little guerrilla marketing.
0: My goodness. That was that was guerrilla marketing before it was guerrilla marketing. Right. Now it's a term. I, now everyone has a website and <laughs> you're
1: really at the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had read a book or I read something about guerrilla marketing. And I thought, you know, if I'm gonna do this, I've got to invest, I've got to start doing something beyond just advertising in a newspaper. I mean, it's hard with a website to really figure out what the right thing is to do. And all, all I know is that months and even years later, I saw people wearing the same hats I gave out. You love that. That is <laughs> that is an
0: old gorilla right there. Yeah. Uh, bring us back to that age, though. What did What did that website look like for those listeners that we have that maybe didn't even go through dial-up, maybe didn't even have uh AIM instant messenger or or an AOL based email account. What was that original uh amateur golf website?
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that because I remember um when Yahoo came out what a big deal that was in the mid 90s or even late 90s, you know, they'd had stickers do you Yahoo and really just advertising that and our first website was really localized. It was California events listed in almost text fashion. Uh, The website didn't have very many graphics. It had a little menu, but uh, clearly there weren't cell phones uh, doing web or anything there. So really it was people on a computer and um, a lot of word of mouth. Word of mouth beyond the search engines and everything else has been to this day one of our best ways people find us. And uh, they found us because we were putting results up for tournaments like the Birchmont. In California, you know, who's in the bracket, who made the round of 64 or 36, who beat who in the next match, you can find out that night, instead of waiting for the newspaper the next day.
0: My goodness. Now, back then, it it wasn't like you had a place to go online, either to get these scores, right? Were you calling into different clubs to get information where people reaching out? Exactly. Uh, Or,
1: Or we were showing up. We were showing up to these tournaments, which is why it was so localized. Like um, the first one, and they're still a client, and we have a relationship with them today. Is the San Francisco City Championship, which you know they field oh, seven hundred to thousand players across brackets of every variety: senior championship, men, women, even uh, they have a big open division. No matter what you shoot, you could go shoot one twenty and you will be in a match in a bracket somewhere. So it's uh, it, very difficult to keep track of all those brackets. And I sent somebody else out, and I helped myself, and we put it all from scoreboard into spreadsheet and from spreadsheet into website that night, every night. Oh, my
0: goodness. <laughs> and this this is without any APIs
1: back then. There's no interfacing. This is just straight typing. That's right. That's right. Basically, you're you're importing tabular data from a a spreadsheet. You're saving it as some type of a a comma delimited file for those that are tech people. But whatever the case is, you're taking a spreadsheet and converting it to a web page. The key for the people in the tournament, though, it was there for them that night. And that was a whole world different. We weren't the very first to do it. Obviously, you know, the USGA, PGA Tour, many of the associations had their own websites, but they were so busy strategizing on what those websites looked at, looked like, they couldn't really consider other tournaments, independent tournaments. And again, to go back to the Birchmont, we love tournaments like that because you could travel the country using our website and play tournaments every day somewhere, providing the weather wasn't six degrees like you uh, have in Minnesota sometimes.
0: And and listeners, it is fantastic. Regardless of what state you might be in listening to this podcast, you can get into the website and choose by state. Um, obviously, the website's come a very long way. I would imagine the domain name helps, too, to to build traffic. Uh, it just, has. It, um,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, Google, it helps you to a certain degree, you could have a domain name that says exactly what your business is. But if you have a domain name and all the data behind it and people like the site, they know where people are. They know people are uh, staying on a site. So when you search something like amateur golf tournaments in Minnesota, we'll come up right up top of the Minnesota Golf Association. If they're listening, don't be mad because we list all your events, Minnesota Golf Association. So that's the beauty of it. Even if we come up high, on the Google search results, we still have everything in that state. We have Minnesota Golf Association plus a number of other tournaments. Or plug in any state here, Georgia or Tennessee or Florida. And you might imagine the bigger states that are golf states for us are California, Florida, Texas, Texas. Those are big. But Minnesota, I was thrilled to be on this podcast. Seriously, this is a, it's a rich tradition of golf from the layman's through the history, through the U.S. Opens at Hazeltine. I mean, it's an amazing golf state for the short season. Now, have. The,
0: the MGA might need your help. There was a big snafu, and you should know the other two co-hosts of this podcast who aren't with me tonight. All three of us are signed up for the, um, for the AM qualifier here in june but we all ran into a bit of a snafu where none of the dues were collected we all got booted back out and we're lucky to even be registered at all uh through their website so maybe maybe there's more of a partnership than could be built
1: we could be who knows yeah speaking of those
0: partnerships though um it sounds like a lot of word of mouth at the very start any long-term partnerships that were built between yourself a certain pro um, yourself in a certain golf community, uh, yourself in a certain certain state uh, amateur program uh, that that you yeah, really yeah I mean for, remember for, for,
1: uh, absolutely uh, you know because first and foremost I think the Northern California Golf Association was amazing to us when we started because they saw what we did at the San Francisco City and a, another tournament that's very much like the Birchmont called the Alameda Commuters just regional tournaments that we were uh, covering. And they had a calendar on their website and they put links to our website for every one of those tournaments. So basically what were we providing was really um, straightforward entry forms, results, but we had the dates and we had the info. So they had their calendar on their site linking to us, let's say uh, 200 times. And if you have 200 links, it helps you with Google. It helps you with really just people hitting your site and, um, That was that NCGA partnership was very, very important to us. And then when, you know, companies saw it like Titleist or Callaway and started sponsoring us, that helped us to build our staff and to pump the money back into our website. But I have to thank the early uh, partnerships with associations. And that would be the whole country, including Minnesota or Florida or Georgia. They all provided us with access to pictures from the tournaments or, you know, uh, all of a sudden when the technology got better, we didn't have to use a fax machine anymore, right? We were pretty much getting stuff by email. Thankfully, and digital cameras were a big deal. You know, showing a picture of a winner with a trophy it says a thousand words, right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And well, you've got some big sponsors too. Titleist, Cobra, Callaway, uh, a couple more to to name on the website. When did when did they come into the fold? Were you a couple of years in or were those partners that you had during that that kind of epic launch thousands of hats wrapped car
1: yeah there was no sponsors then it was really um uh difficult to convince a golf company that they should be advertising on the internet right uh, there was it, it really wasn't until mid to late 2000s that that became even titleist wouldn't have sold golf balls uh on, uh, you know, outside of even pro shops for a while and then uh, off course retail. And pretty soon they became the, I think Titleist Pro V1 is the biggest skew at Amazon. So this is how things evolve over time. And uh, we really uh, were fortunate when Titleist, I think they called us 15 to 17 years ago. I got a simple one-line email. We would like to advertise on your site. And for a person in the golf business to get that from Titleist, that's kind of a neat deal for me. I list
0: uh the the email here is break80podcast at gmail.com yes we are we are so new that we also still have just a Gmail account we are Listen, available they're, they're doing
1: they're doing podcasts it's a big growing part of all marketing I mean I would say podcasts are well into their and it's it's not something that, like I said, when we started our site, nobody knew what to advertise or what the internet meant. Well, I don't. I think podcasts. The fact that you're seeing these announcements on some of the big ones, uh, it's it's really shows you that that potential is there for any of these companies. With you guys,
0: I, the growth of the game has been fantastic. But focused on your company, the growth of your company looks to have been significant too. Was it just a single man shop when you when you opened up? Was it just you? Cultivating all of the relationships, managing all the data. Um, how many folks was it, and where have you grown to from there?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I thought I would raise capital, so I built sort of a uh, one of these. As I said, I gave away hats, and I had a budget. I, I was lucky. I put some money aside after working for a tech company, and um, I'd say my biggest staff I ever had was the first six months of the business. I kind of had a dream that was a little bit. My eyes were bigger than my stomach, right? And uh, and then I realized. That I'm not going to raise money. Um, I'm gonna to have to bootstrap this thing. And so it, you know, for a while it was a one-man operation with some tech people helping me out. And even now we're, you know, we're less than 10 people. We have, you know, three or four in the core team and we have we use a lot of freelance writers. Like we would always love it. if there's somebody in Minnesota that loves to write about the Birchmont or any tournament like that. Those are people we'd love, we want to hear from you. So my email is, you know, PeteWL at amateurgolf.com. And if you are a local writer or photographer, let let us know.
0: Goodness. uh, I know myself and part well, I know I would be interested in writing. Um, You'll have to spell check it as my co-hosts would, would agree and uh, be shaking their heads begrudgingly at me. I am a terrible speller and a decent writer. Yeah, we use
1: AI. Don't worry. We have AI, Chat <laughs> Chat GPT. No, we, we actually we use a tool that uses AI called Grammarly, and it's changed my life of writing. I I love writing with a. Uh, it's almost corrects too many things, but uh, but certainly there's no excuse anymore to have bad spelling or anything like that when you have an app like Grammarly. So,
0: I'm sure it would come up. It would just say, "Really, are you sure you want to publish this? You shouldn't. Don't do it." <laughs> <laughs> so
1: uh, yeah, we, were, we were we were very lucky to to have to have strong support of the, you know, kind of the insiders. And I think it was because we were able to show them some numbers. Once we built an email list, we were able to show them that, you know, we have half of our golfers on, on our list are single digit. And they, not only that, what's most important to me isn't how good you are, but they put half those golfers play over a hundred times a year, which is a, that's a significant audience really that, you know, to see that, that they play that much. That's the, that's you and I, and core golfers. I hope you play at least 50 times a year
0: hundred and hundred and forty to hundred sixty yeah I love
1: it I live in Minnesota i'll,
0: actually, I'll be yeah. I'll actually be in your neck of the woods um twenty fourth through twenty eighth I'll be in San Diego
1: okay cool I hope we can get together because I, I heard that yeah. we had, and it is a funny story of how we even got together right so i'm I'm giving you a question to ask me but maybe I should ask you about that because it's so this is the this is the old word of mouth thing almost uh, in the in two thousand twenties.
0: I think it's antithesis of golf is, is just that the connection is, is really still there. Yourself, the players that are around you, the people that you meet and connection to nature in the course. And I, I think it still exists and it's, it's one of those last places that hasn't been completely infiltrated by technology and removing yourself from connecting with people. So it is wonderful, but getting back on, on track, so to speak, all the articles on your own. And a couple of writers out there that are, are, are freelance, that are submitting. Um, are there certain categories of content? Because I've seen that you, your name is still listed on quite a few of these articles that
1: That's you would really right. like to and go
0: towards. And gravitate yeah, exactly.
1: Towards. Exactly. I, you know, I have a managing editor, Jim Young. He does an amazing job. I've, I've got you know writers like Jordan Perez, uh, who, who's you know going to be doing women's golf. I've, I, we have a podcast. We have Sean Melia does a really nice job with that. He's in he's in uh, Massachusetts, and a number of other people. Chris Bronner does a lot of our data. But but uh, you know, I like to publish. I still like to put an article up. If you lead a company, you should set by an example. I'm I'm not a trained writer by any means but I have ideas. So, uh, you know, I wrote an article the other day, five tournaments to shake the rust off. What do you do when you come out of Minnesota and you want to play a tournament before your USM qualifying or your state AM qualifying? What do you get into? It's, you know, maybe in the April or May timeframe. So I gave a few ideas for that. We also like to write about the, um, the senior M, the USM, the junior M, and we'll pick the qualifying courses and then we'll sort of editorialize it. We'll say, well, here's you know, 35 places you can try to qualify for the U.S. Senior Open, but here's five of them that we think you might want to travel to or try to play. They're private. They're historic, um, you know, places like uh, Homestead in Virginia or, or courses you can't even get on. They're private. Like, you know, you have a chance to pick your USM course. It's kind of cool. You look at that list and say, where do I want to try to qualify? Right.
0: Yeah. Yep. And so I, 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 I like to do a lot cool of those, me. too. Uh, it, there were some great courses on this so there's there's just so much knowledge on this website it is absolutely phenomenal absolutely phenomenal Thank speaking you. of some of of the the areas of travel is certain folks pick out what's the best qualifying course based on maybe their game but also maybe the history maybe the exclusivity of the course what are some of the travels that you have to look forward to here in in 2023 and do you travel because I mean you're in the san diego area you're up the coast you're arguably in the prettiest part of of the world definitely of america
1: yeah uh it's it's amazing it's an amazing state i'm not a am uh, not a native californian but i've been here 30 years my son who's 22 was born here and uh, i feel a, a, a close affinity to the state uh, just love the golf here love you know whether I go to Riviera to watch the tournament or not, I mean, that's like watching Riviera on television, doesn't it? That just sets up beautifully for, for TV, hole number 10 and things like that. But my fa- my favorite travels and the places I get to go, I'm very fortunate. I started four tournaments we call the Two Man Links Championships, and we go abandoned dunes for 22 straight years, Sand Valley in Wisconsin- uh, we'll go to uh, Arcadia Bluffs this year in September and then Cabot Links. So we'll go across the country. I'll go to every one of those tournaments. I'll get to play in the tournament. In some of those tournaments, I'll play with my son in a father-son division, which is, is really grown for us. Father-son golf. Daughters welcome. Mothers welcome. Just called father-son because it's an old tournament format, but it's, it's for everybody. Um, and uh, you know, to get to do that is a pretty, I have to pinch myself sometimes and say, "Am I really getting to travel and getting paid for it?" It's kind of neat.
0: That is fantastic. How have you been through Nova Scotia yet? Have you been to Halifax? And and what does that commute look like up to up to Cabot? It,
1: it's it's a it's a long commute, and I only can imagine because our our trip to Bandon from California really isn't a tough ride. Even some people in San Francisco drive to Bandon Dunes. And um, so but when we get people from the East Coast and we hear about missed flight connections, luggage not arriving, you know, banding can be a tough place to get to even from Boston, let alone, you know, another country. But when I traveled to Nova Scotia, I felt that in reverse. I said, okay, this is what it feels like, because two two connections, customs, the whole deal. And yet Halifax and spend a lot of time there. But uh, Cape Breton Island, where the courses are, I I did spend three or four days exploring before I played. And uh, it's it's now one of my favorite places in the world. So that was last year was the first. And this will be the second. Um, I highly recommend it. I I recommend uh, I'd I'd recommend going to Cape Breton Island just on vacation. It's uh, without your golf clubs. It's really beautiful.
0: I will have to break out the
1: sea shanties. You might have to. Yeah, I think that's
0: part of where they came from. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's got kind of a really rich cultural heritage there. And and again, you know, getting back to golf. What do we love about golf? The personal connections. I love golf travel. I am not in the travel business. We're running a tournament largely. People are using their own, uh, they're getting there on their own. We do provide the lodging on those tournaments because those are resorts with lodging, but we're not really in the golf travel business from that perspective. Uh, you know, we don't book a trip for eight you know, guys or girls to go to Myrtle beach or something, but uh, but we're definitely um, we we enjoy it. And I think the people, a lot of people go with, with they don't go with their, their sibling or, or, a, or a child. A lot of people go with an old friend from a different city. And I love that, you know, you're in Minnesota and you're meeting somebody that lives in Florida that you went to college with or something, something like that. And you're playing best ball golf. And that may be only part of the fun because, you know, you're, you're at the 19th hole and everything. So, it's great,
0: especially with some of the views that are available in some of the the courses mentioned.
1: Oh, amazing. Yeah, amazing. Amazing places.
0: So for for 2023, any new initiatives for amateurgolf.com, any any new ads as far as tournaments are concerned? um, or any, any new growth plans that, that you wanted to announce to the public that might be listening to this podcast.
1: Yeah. Cause tournaments are still an important part of our business. We have always run tournaments and, uh, we, uh, our, Arcadia is the first time I did a discovery trip there to Michigan and I fell in love with the, uh, uh I guess the lower peninsula, you know the, the grand grand Rapids and, uh, uh, Michigan area and and just uh, uh, just absolutely fell in love with it and and decided we're going to bring forty people there almost sight unseen. I you know, I played one of the courses so that's new and very fortunate to have some new sponsors on board. Uh, we have uh, actually one in Colorado, which is not exactly the hub of the golf business like Carlsbad, but we just brought in Adele, Ed- which is known for their putters, but they have wedges and they have um, these adjustable irons where there's weight ports in the irons and you can actually tune your ball light so i think that's kind of neat so we have the big companies like callaway and Titleist, but now we're bringing on some boutique companies and that's a lot of fun for us as we've expanded our marketplace so i'm i'm very lucky with this business that the golf boom it hit us right right in the heart of our business if you think about a person that uh you know was one of the new golfers or one of the return to golfers the first thing that happens after somebody starts playing more golf is uh they might shoot par or have a good round and say, "I want to enter a tournament," just like the people on TV, and that's where we come in. We we can find you a tournament somewhere. I promise you.
0: Yeah, no, I'm 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 bound. I'm sitting on the edge here myself. We just started up this uh, Twin Cities Golf Mini Tour. Uh, another partner of the podcast uh, named Kevin runs uh, the Public Country Club, which incorporates 150 different um, golf courses here. On different tiering levels on a membership basis, and uh, runs tournaments to go along with them. So he's he's been a good sponsor of the podcast and and kind of pushed us into at least out of my comfort zone into new areas. Uh, Love it. A couple of the other a couple of the other podcasters have a little bit more recent competitive golf experience. Myself, like you, uh, played in high school, but has been a little while to really jump and dabble into independent competitive golf. So. This will be a new year, and uh, the whole world—well, at least the uh, listeners of the podcast, the viewers of the channel will get to watch either my success or failure, along with the other two of us. So, oh, what a great thing to
1: document! That's so fun. You know that that brings into to mind all sorts of uh, opportunities to uh, to tell the story uh, in in different formats. Um, is it? Uh, is it, It's not Kevin with his last name doesn't start with a U, does it? That is. Unter Reiner, maybe? Yep, that's close enough for government work. That is it. Yeah. I mean, that I'm not going to brag about anything except my 61 year old brain being able to remember stuff. So, but but that's the kind of people over the years that, you know, if he's into golf and tournament golf in that area in the Twin Cities or Minnesota, we probably came into touch with each other at some point. So please tell him hello. I absolutely will. I absolutely
0: will. And I hope that brain is working because we're going to go into the back nine. It's a quick. (laughs) nine question segment to end the interview and okay. get you back onto your day on the, uh, the West coast. So first question, first hole, where are you
1: off to next? What's the next trip? So the next one is, um, to Denver actually to, uh, to, to visit and go to the studio at, at Adele. And, and it's going to be a little ski golf gonna be fun. Awesome.
0: Some putters and wedges, yeah. uh, favorite course that you've played. And I should probably limit this favorite course you played in 2022. Cause the list is probably too long to evaluate. Wow.
1: No, that's that. Well, I would like to answer the first form of the question. Oh, let's because, yeah. We can do the first format. Yeah. Cause I can tell you, I mean that, that the old course at, at St. Andrews is, is my favorite, is my favorite course that I played and I've been lucky enough to do it a couple of times.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Love that you got over the pond. Uh, what are you most excited about here in 2023, hole three?
1: That I don't think the golf boom is a boom and bust. I think it's holding on. And I think um, the new kind of golfer that's coming to the game is a lot more fun even than some of the old kind of golfer. I think we're all loosening up and I love it.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Um, the strength of your own golf game. Accuracy off the tee. Ah, oh, God. Wish I had that. All right. <laughs> that being said, statistics or feel, and I should specify, are you a data-driven golfer? Are you logging things into an app? Are you following spin numbers on a track man? Or do you like to just get out to the range and feel how things feel?
1: Uh, it's sort of in between. I'm a problem solver. So if I see a trend with my driver or my chipping or something like that, then I'm going to solve the problem through data. And I'll start tracking short game or putting say how bad am i putting right now and start you know working on either feats of putter or 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 number of putts and and uh, uh but but for the most part I, I i'm i'm a field player all right
0: any swing coaching and and if so who are you working with
1: So I've got a very good one named Jeremy Clevenger and he's at a club called Santa Luz and I'm lucky enough that I can kind of get a lesson and be private club member for a day. I don't get to play the course, but I get to hang out on their short game area and we mostly focus on short game and he's extremely creative and he and I, uh, we really jive well. So it's cool. Oh my goodness.
0: Santa Luz. Did you ever meet the, uh, the golf holics crew out there at all?
1: I've known about them, of course. I've I've never spent a lot of time with them, but uh, one of my associates, an old friend, of uh, Mr. Short Game, Matt Fisher, he's played with them and done videos with them, and uh, yeah, they had a, a pretty. I don't think they do it as much anymore, but um, they're they they had other jobs too. They
0: did. The they did. And, and, and God, you get into golf enough, folks, and you just end up knowing knowing everybody. Everybody, yep. Uh, so, Pete, what is in the bag? Uh, you've got. Or can we talk about this? We've got sponsorships from Cobra, Titleist, Callaway. Everything's listed online, or is this a hush hush thing? And the the new, the new putter wedge deal. It's it's, we talk it's about actually brands. a good.
1: It's I'll try to make a long story short. I mean, for anybody that's not in the golf business, we're actually starting a new video series called uh, Carlsbad Golf Tour. And I started the first one at Fujikura, went through their fitting, and got to you know kind of drive around, park my car, drove by golf companies. You're amazed when you go to Carlsbad that, you know, not only is it the big, uh, you know, Callaway and TaylorMade and, and, and Titleist and Cobra and all these companies are there, but but then you, you, uh, you drive by a full swing golf, the simulator company, you drive by even roll putters or, you know, all these shaft companies and they have fitting centers. So we're doing that. And one of my things that I'm teaching people is if you're going to go to a fitting at TaylorMade, don't bring your Titleist bag. Try to have a little bit of knowledge. And so for me, I'm like other people in the golf business, like my friend, Bob Lampkin, can imagine he sells grip to all the companies, but when he plays golf with the people from Titleist, he has a Titleist set. When he plays with the people from Cobra, he's got a Cobra set. So for me, I have a set of everything that is sponsored on our website, and I'm safely uh, going to say that I could play a bag with any of those companies, and I've got it tuned to where it wouldn't take me around to really feel like they were my gamers so yeah here
0: i am bartering with people on the internet about how much they want to sell me their used clubs for
1: yeah you should call me <laughs> call me offline we take we take this conversation offline and uh I, I i would wish i could uh tell you some of the equipment i have but you know i'll tell you this like shaft is having done Fujikura. shaft is huge and um you know, there's another thing in the game that, well, the aftermarket shaft versus the shaft that comes in the club, and they're different. So, you know, to get the Fujikura $400 version when I was there the other day, that was kind of a neat deal. I even opened my eyes after 23 years in the golf business that to be tuned for a shaft and a driver, and it didn't matter which head it was in. That was a good shaft for me.
0: It's some of the new Ventus products that we got fit. Ventus with
1: VilaCore. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah, no, it's worth it. <laughs> All right, I think it's worth uh, it just
1: mentally, just to know you've yeah. got the best. If you, I'm look, not everybody can afford it, but if you can't afford it, j- just figure out what you're looking for used and go back a couple, three years, and you can get what was the best then, which is pretty close to what is the best now. That is
0: fantastically said. So anything, we'll, we'll get away from specific clubs. Anything odd that you carry in the bag? Because I've got certain balls. Markers, I, I've i got the same dinged up paint coming off of it. Um, Ballmark fixer that I think is good luck. Anything that you've held on that's sentimental in the bag?
1: Uh, always uh, an Olympic club um, divot repair tool from, from the Olympic club. I'm an out-of-town member of the Olympic club, so I don't get to go there very often. It's 500 miles from San Diego. But when I look at that thing and I say, yep, oh, fixing my divot with the Olympic club tool, it's kind of cool. And it's just one of those aluminum ones they give away for free. Oh, that's
0: fantastic. <laughs> um, and then last question, hole, hole number nine or 18, however you look at it, because we are the break 80 podcast. I, mean, I, I think I know the answer already, but have you broken 80 and where was your first time? If you remember?
1: Yeah, my first time um, was a relatively easy little 6,200 yard course in Connecticut called rock ledge. And uh, I remember the minute I broke 80, my uncle, who was an avid golfer, taking me to a 7,000-yard course where I shot 90. <laughs> <laughs> what like, a next nice week. guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know why he did it, right? He did it to humble me a little bit, to say, you know, you broke 80 at Rockledge. I'm going to take you. It was called Lyman Orchards, Lyman Meadows in Connecticut. And, and it was, at that time, a Trent Jones 7,000-yard course. That was a long way with wooden clubs and, and uh, a lot of balls.
0: A lot of spin, a lot of spin
1: and limited distance on those. And I've never gotten the ball high in the air. So I'm playing these little low hooks trying to, you know, it was just, it was very humbling for me. I, I think I shot 90 or 91 that day. And, uh, you know, I was, I was a, a person that could break 80 that I, I just went 10 shots higher. So
0: it's all right You go back there with, with whatever set that you pick for the day, whether it's Callaway Cobra or Titleist. And uh, I've got faith you do it now pretty easily.
1: Yeah. I haven't played there in years. That would be, I'm glad you mentioned that. Maybe when I get back to Connecticut, that's my home state, by the way, Connecticut. So, you know, that that's a little commercial for Lyman orchards golf club because they were, they were 7,000 before it was cool. Right. <laughs> it would have been long, <laughs> long back in the day. It was long. Persimmon clubs, a lot of balls, uh, the
0: old winding in the middle or the uh, yep. the liquid core. Well, anything else that we can tell the people about amateurgolf.com about yourself before, before wrapping
1: up? Now, I would I would just say check out the website. Um, we are a membership-based site. It costs $59 a year to for unlimited usage. But uh, you know, anybody that sends me an email that wants a trial, you know, like a 90-day trial, uh, and if you have a way to show them on the podcast link or something, um, just just send it to uh it's it's yeah, actually the best way would be contact us at amateurgolf.com. So contact us at amateurgolf.com and just say, hey, I want to try this site. But the thing I love love about our site is that most of it's free. You can read all the articles. You can look at all the lists of tournaments, but uh, the, the the membership really comes into play if you want to dig deep into the rankings or create a profile or get entry forms. And then that's why that's how we pay our bills. So we do like our paid members, and we're lucky we have thousands and thousands of them. But uh, there's a lot of things you can do as as uh, uh, you know, just just perusing the results of tournaments that are right on our website. Um, every day, we like to say it 's the place where you go to find out what 's going on in the competitive amateur game at any slice of time. you log onto to our website and, and it 's probably going to tell you
0: I was going to say a lot of a lot of other um, positives to that sign up to golf week for
1: free am i reading this right you get digital access it used to be the magazine version but they don't print too many versions you get you get golf week for free and there's a whole member benefits section you can save 50 dollars on a range finder and you know number number of things you can save on and we're trying to get more of that because i ideally i'd like to be able to give somebody a 59 membership that gets a hundred dollars worth of stuff you know yeah um, but nobody needs I mean, 50 hats I, 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 or 50, $50 t-shirts cobalt
0: 25 percent off Callaway. Hold on. Hold on. I think I have over 110 tumblers now from different courses. So (laughs) the addiction is real.
1: I might find you one then. I know now I know what what you collect. So that's, um that's neat. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I'll pay it forward too. Well, Pete, thank you so much for, for coming on again, Pete with amateur golf.com. Please check out the website again, like, and subscribe to break 80. If you haven't already share it with your friends and. As uh Jeff would say, the difference between seventy nine and eighty is everything. <laughs> Thank you folks Maybe today's the day I Brigade want the ball to draw, but it keeps fading. No oB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80 is the gold you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break eighty. Break eighty. Break eighty. Break eighty.
1: Break eighty. Break eighty.
0: Break eighty.